yes. You know, guys, <clears throat> my biggest fear about this this morning was that I wouldn't be able to see over the lectern, so I wore really high shoes. <laughs> I might have to take them off later because they're really uncomfortable. Okay, and I'm going to have to wear my glasses because even big writing is too small. Now, let me see, where are we? Okay, so, how lovely to be here talking to you all this morning. You'd be really happy to know that this morning is a U-rated talk, okay? So, no censorship needed, which is always good, because we're going to continue our talk about Eden, or our sermon series on Eden, and today we're going to talk about family. But I'm going to start by telling you a joke. Okay, now, <clears throat> I don't think I've missed my calling in life. I don't think Kimmy Deanne was, was what the Lord had for me, but I'm going to have a go. And at the end of this joke, I will signify that it is the end of the joke by going, and you will all laugh because that's what happens at the end of a joke. So could we just, could we just practice? Okay, so... Excellent. So if this joke completely bombs, at least you will have laughed because laughter is very good. So you see, I've been listening to a little bit of Bill Johnson and he always starts his sermons with a joke. So I reckon if it's good enough for Bill. Okay. So the joke is, so this little girl one morning gets up, goes to her mom and says, mom, where do people come from? And her mom looks at her and goes, well, God created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve had children, and we're all descended from them, and that's where people came from. The little girl says, oh, that's very interesting, mommy, that's great, okay, and she went away, and the next day, she was talking to her daddy, and she says, daddy, where do people come from? And her daddy said, well, many, many millions of years ago, there were apes, and those apes evolved into humans. And that's where we all come from. And the little girl's very puzzled. And she's, this doesn't add up. So she goes back to her mom and she says, Mom, I had a wee chat with Daddy. And you know the way you told me we were all descended from Adam and Eve? Well, Daddy says, we're all descended from apes. I'm just really confused. I don't understand. And the mommy smiled and she looked at the daughter and she says, Well, darling, I told you about my side of the family. And Daddy told you about his. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. You all laughed even before you had to, so. Very, very grateful. Thank you. Okay. So, this morning we're back to the first few chapters of Genesis. And we're going to look at God's design for family. Now, this could be a whole sermon season on its own, okay? Like, Huge topic. Um, so John never gives you a topic. Mm. He just gives you. So, um, so this is this is kind of a little nod. Okay, it isn't an extensive talk. It isn't all the biblical references. It isn't everything you could ever say on family. But it's a start. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is close your eyes. And I want you, when I say this word, to think of the first word that comes into your head. You ready? Family. Okay? 
Now, all of you will have had a little word drop into your head. Okay, and as John says, and it's just a little hand grenade I'm going to leave there. Because when all of us think of family, we think of different things depending on our experience. Okay, so I, I thought I would, I would begin by showing you a few very famous families. Paul, could we have the first famous family up there? And I want you to see if you can find your family among these guys. Okay, so I love this family. I love it that they never get any older. That, that's awesome. The next family, Paul? Yeah, very glamorous, very, very glamorous family. And what about the next guys? Yeah, these guys have a few problems. I think it's safe to say they've had a few struggles over the years. And what about the last family I have there? Oh. You see, you have to be a certain age to recognize this family. But I grew up in the 70s watching this. I loved the Waltons. Good night, John Boy. I thought all families in America looked like this. Turns out that's not true. Okay. But whatever your family, with the next slide, whatever your family, I can guarantee your family doesn't look the same as anybody else's family. And today that's true even more than ever. No one's family is perfect. But I promise you, your family, or the family that you have now, is all doing the best they can with what they've got. Your family is your normal. So whatever family you grew up in is normal to you, okay? We often imagine everybody's family is the same as the family we grew up in until we go visit other families. Did you ever do that as a kid? You went to somebody else's house for a sleepover and you go, whoa, these guys don't look anything like my guys, okay? So, but we grow up thinking our family is our normal. And really interesting psychological thing is that when we start a new family of our own, when we get married and start a new family of our own, we spend the first seven years of family life subconsciously trying to recreate what we knew from before. Now, isn't that so interesting? And actually, the reason a lot of marriages struggle in the first seven years is because you are subconsciously trying to recreate your family and your other half is subconsciously trying to recreate their family. And depending on the families you come from, that can cause real conflict, okay? So I looked up a wee bit of information on families in the UK these days. And in the 2020 census in the UK, there were over 19 million families. It's a lot of people, it's a lot of families. So as the population has grown and the way families are living is changing in Northern Ireland. Did you know that in this country, 21.3% of the families in this country are single parent families? That's actually the highest in the UK. The number of people living alone has increased and multi-family or blended households are the fastest growing household type in the UK. So what family looks like today has changed really significantly over the, the last decades. I mean, it's changed significantly even since I was young and I'm still young, but you know. Okay. But if you look at scripture, 
What a family looks like changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament, okay? It makes the search for the traditional biblical family quite a task because I've spent the last week doing that and it's fairly tricky, okay? But it's really important to understand family structures, relationships, commitment and functions. Why? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus often used family symbolism to describe the nature of faith in the church. We often refer to God as our heavenly father. We refer to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we become believers, we're adopted into the family of God. Okay, these images are great, but if you have had a challenging family life, it can actually cause problems because we project what we understand family to be onto the church and we project what we understand family to be onto God himself. So it can be a bit of a problem. Okay, let's start with the wee definition. Can we have a, the next slide? Okay, so there you go. Family is a basic household unit that provides a person's central relationships, nurture and support. That's kind of vague. In the Old Testament, there were two words that are used to refer to family. The first is mishpacha. Okay, I had to look up how to pronounce that. This word is used to describe people related by blood and marriage. But interestingly, there's also room to include in mishpacha, you could actually include your animals, your friends, and even the odd visitor to your house. Okay. The other word is beith, and this word represents your clan. So, you know, I am Angus McGregor of the clan McGregor. It's talking about the clan. And, you know, if you look at the tribes of Judah, God had those tribes and families. Family lines were really, really important. And if you look at the lineage of Jesus, you can look at his genealogy. You could stretch right back to where his family line begins. I'm not sure, have any of you ever um, looked at your family tree? Any family tree? Oh, yes, there's a few. Yeah, can be really interesting. Or you have this whole new thing now called ancestry DNA, where you can send your spit away and they can tell you where you originated from. And I love this because my really good friend Eddie did this. And I will always forget that he is 2% Viking which makes him kind of dangerous, and I like that, Eddie. That's very good. 2% <laughs> Viking is extremely cool. Okay, so we have this thing inside of us. Where does my family come from? Where am I from? Who are my people? What's my lineage? Okay, it is inside every single one of us. Okay. God sets us in families. And no matter what that structure looks like, whether you've just got one mom, one dad, no dad, a stepmom and a stepdad, grannies and grandas as your, as your caregivers, foster families, adopted families, or even a mom and a dad and 2.4 children with a dog, every person started life with a mom and a dad, okay? It's basic biology. And as John, I'll not go into the, that because that was not good. I think we'll all agree. We'll not go there today. But if we take a quick look at Genesis chapter 2, we see God taking woman out of man 
and reuniting them. So could we have that, that slide? I think he's fallen asleep. Hello, could we have the next? Oh, look, there it is. Wonderful. Okay, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs or out of the man's side and then closed up the place with flesh. So God took Eve out of Adam. And then we see later on that he reunites them together. Okay, and this reuniting creates emotional and physical bonds and is in fact how we make brand new people. We're all created in the likeness of our biological mom and dad. We carry our parents around in our DNA. Now for some of us that's great. For other people it's like, ah, ah I don't want to be anything like my mom and dad. But you can't help it. You literally carry them around in every cell of your body. We can't escape it. Your unique design could not have happened without your specific mom and dad. Okay? So even if you think my mom was a disaster or my dad was never around, actually, you wouldn't be around without them. You are God's absolute perfect idea. No one is an accident. Even if your mom and dad didn't mean to make you, God meant for you to be here. God has a plan and a purpose for absolutely every one of us. And God set you in your family for a design and a purpose. Okay? It is part of his good and perfect plan. God's intention for family was for it to be a place where we have our needs met. Our needs for shelter, food, clothing, security, and a sense of love and, love and acceptance. It gives us a feeling of belonging. And you can see that in Genesis if you read uh, Genesis chapter 2 and 3 as well. God created Eden as a place of safety and shelter, provision and relationship. So he created Eden and he, he took man and he went plop. Okay, he put him there. Why? Because it was a safe place. It had every sort of plant you needed to eat. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. They had relationship, all their physical needs, all their psychological needs and all their spiritual needs were met. In the Garden of Eden, God was the parent. He was mom and dad. At this point, Adam and Eve's experience of home was love and acceptance. There was no need inside of them because God provided everything. Okay? For all of us, home is a place of origin and of destination. It is our place of security and belonging. It is a place where we feel we should fit. Okay, so home is actually an internal concept. Home happens in your mind. Have you ever gone somewhere and went, oh, this feels like home? You ever felt that? Okay, that is your internal concept of home being met. Oh, this feels, this feels where I fit. This feels where I belong. 
You know, it's, it's so interesting how God always brings us to places where we feel home. I married this gorgeous man from Southeast Asia. I like to tell everybody that I prayed for seven years until the Lord finally went, oh, okay. And he imported Asman specifically for me, which was very good of him. And uh, yeah, Asman grew up in Malaysia until he was 20. That was his home. And shortly after we got married, Asman's dad very kindly paid for us to go to Malaysia for a visit because I'd never been. And wow, this is where my... This is where my husband is from. This is his home. This is where he grew up. We had an awesome trip. It was very hot. There was a lot of curry. I came back very thin. Asman came back much heavier. <laughs> but we had an awesome trip. But you know, the very interesting thing is that when Asman stepped off the plane in Belfast, he actually said, I actually want to get down and kiss the ground. Because this feels like I'm home. Now, isn't that fantastic? That God can create places where we feel we belong, places where we feel like home, okay? Because this is an internal concept in our minds. Why? Why is it important to have a concept of home in our minds? Well, actually really important for the development of your identity and your personality. Did you realize that? Okay, home, the family that we grew up in helps form that. So in the first, so this is a wee bit of psychology 101, okay? Um, you can tell that I lead the counseling center here because I love this stuff. It's fascinating. In the first seven or eight years of your life, okay, you look to the people who are mom and dad to you Okay, they might not be your biological mom and dad, but whoever is mom and dad in your house, we look to them to figure out or to help us figure out who we are, okay? We need to know, are we good enough? Are we smart enough? Are we fun enough? Are we likable? Are we acceptable? Are we enough? Okay, we learn that in the first seven years of the, your life. And that, that's when the platform of your personality is built. Okay, we learn who we are from who our mom and dads either say we are or how we feel we are in relation to them. Okay, from the ages of about eight to 18, we look to important people outside of our families to add to this. So who do my teachers say I am? Who are my friends? What do they say I am? What about people in authority? Who do they say I am? These people help build on that platform that we have already built on inside our, per, uh, inside our family. So family builds a platform and then your identity gets built on top of that. And you know, by the time you're about 18 years old, your personality is your personality. It's, it's completely formed inside your mind. It's really interesting stuff. Families are really important. They can help us or they can hinder us. And you know, in the, in the counseling rooms, I meet lots and lots of people and lots of different experiences of family. But there's one thing that's been very interesting to me because in Northern Ireland, we have this, this horrible test that we put our 11-year-olds through called the 11 plus or the AQE as it is now. And so many people come into the counseling room and they say, oh, I'm not, I'm not smart. Oh, 
oh, really? Why is that? Well, you know, I, I failed my 11 plus. Like, wow. Okay. So who that exam said they were at 11 contributed to how capable they felt in the rest of their lives. That's incredible to me. We cannot underestimate how our families and how the, our teachers and how people in authority, youth leaders, church leaders, all those people have an effect on our personality growing up. It's, it's really interesting. Okay. Families can be really hard work. Families can be broken. Can, families can help us thrive and they can cause all sorts of pain internally. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, we read about the first family breakup. I mean, it didn't take long, okay? Adam and Eve, their relationship with God gets broken because Eve eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then takes it a little bit and gives it to Adam. I'm going to read that, this out loud, okay? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the garden? The woman said to the serpent, no, you may eat from all the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. <gasps> you will certainly not die, said the serpent to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the, Lord, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Adam, where have you got to? As if God didn't actually know. But Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Of course, God already knew he had. And then the first row breaks out. That woman that you put here with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. So we see the first, <gasps> it wasn't me, it was her. Okay, have you ever done that in your families? Yeah, when you're little kids, I didn't touch it, it was him. He did it, he made me do it. And then the Lord said to the woman, what did you do? And the woman said, oh, it wasn't me, it was that serpent. Actually, it was that serpent that you, uh, you put in the garden. It, you made him and he did this. Okay. Adam was given off to God. Like, it, she made me do it and anyway, it's your fault for putting her hair in the first place. Okay. Does any of that sound familiar? Excuses, passing the blame, emotions of guilt and shame, emotions of fear that makes us hide. So Adam and Eve eat the fruit and the relationship between them and their heavenly father is broken. And at once, Adam and Eve 
start to see what's lacking in each other, okay? Because it's really easy to do that. We look at each other and we see the deficit. We see you're not enough. You're not enough. It opened up a void inside of them and that void was a feeling of rejection. Now that void echoes through all the generations that come after Adam and Eve until eventually the Lord sends Jesus to restore the relationship between God and mankind. So once again, we can experience God as our heavenly father. In Genesis chapter four, I think we've got a slide of that too. We see the birth of Cain and Abel and the breakdown in their relationship. So Adam and Eve, first breakdown, Next breakdown is in the very next generation. Okay? Could we have? Yes, wonderful. So Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, if you've read further on in that chapter... And I think there is a little bit more. Cain and his brother have a falling out. And Cain is so cross with his brother and so annoyed that he murders his brother. Okay. That is the first really big family issue. One brother murdering the other. But it doesn't take much. Even a quick look through the Old Testament reminds us that families have been struggling with their relationships since the very beginning. If we take a wee look at Jacob and Esau, we, uh, we see the first identity theft. You thought that was just a new thing with cybersecurity, but uh, no. Jacob pretends to be Esau and steals Esau's inheritance. Shocking. Imagine that would happen in families. Lot's father, or Lot, his daughters, sorry, got their father so drunk that they managed to sleep with him and got pregnant so they could continue the family line through him. That's nuts, isn't it? Moses was fostered and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Joseph got in his brother's nerves so much. He was so annoying that they wanted to kill him. Literally, they were about to, and then one of the other brothers had a bit of a change of heart and says, will not kill him, will sell him into slavery instead. Okay. So if your family is struggling, you are in great company. Because do you know the awesome thing is? God used all of these people to change the world. Okay. So no matter what your family background is, no matter what your family is struggling with today, God is not put off. And God will use all of it, all the pain, all the struggle, and the healing to grow you, to cause you to become more like Jesus, and to bring the kingdom of God to earth. If we've had challenging family experiences growing up, and we've experienced that void, that feeling of rejection or not being enough, our minds always look to fill it, okay? There's a really interesting thing about psychology. We always respond to the present 
by referencing the past. Now, we don't do this consciously. We do this with our subconscious minds. Okay, we understand what's happening today because our mind is going, when have I experienced this before? And if we keep hitting that void, that empty place where we are constantly looking for mom and dad, because mom and dad growing up didn't quite fill the void, we will start to look for mom and dad and other people. This causes a huge problem because no one else can be your mom and dad, only your mom and dad. Okay, and you come up against that in lots of different relationships. We can look for people in authority to be mom and dad, to tell us we're good enough, to tell us we're, we're, we're fine, to tell us we're doing great. We can look, um, we can do that with our bosses. We can do that with the pastor. Poor John. <laughs> John cannot be your daddy because he's not your daddy. The only daddy John can be is to Ethan and Aaron because he's their dad. They are created in his image, okay? So as much as John might, you know, try, he is going to fail and you are going to be disappointed. And isn't that what we all, that's what often happens. We look for people to fill the void inside of us and the void doesn't get filled and then we blame them because they haven't done their job. You should be doing this. You should be filling my void. You should be meeting my need. But if the void inside of us exists because it opened up when we were small, because we didn't get our identity met, we didn't get um, our needs for security, for love, for acceptance met when we were young, no matter how well-meaning or well-intentioned or, or no matter how hard people try, they cannot um, meet those needs when we're older. So that leaves us with a bit of a problem. How on earth do any of us ever resolve it? Well, actually, God has created a way to do that. And God's plan is to resolve. If that void exists inside of you, God's plan is to bring resolution to it. Okay? We need to forgive. We need to accept our families. And we need to choose to love them anyway. Because they're not going to change. The only person who you can change is you. Okay? Oh, here. I'm, I think I'm on time. This is wonderful. Here in Journey, we are really passionate about creating healthy families. Okay? We want to help restore families. We want to help minister healing to broken families. And we have people who would love to pray for you. We have counseling teams who can help you work some of this stuff through. We have an incredible uh, play therapist. Stacey is our play therapist here. Um, she works with people who are struggling all the time in their family situations. But there is help, and God's plan is to bring healing to you. And I really felt as I was um, preparing for this today that actually... For some of us, the first step we need to take is actually being restored into God's family. Because for some of us, we maybe never have had that relationship with Jesus where we have experienced God as our father. We've never experienced the forgiveness and the peace and the love of God. So we actually, we're going to have a, a ministry team 
uh, after the end of the worship here. And if you want to come up and talk about anything that has, you know, arisen, if you want some prayer, or if you want to meet God for the very first time, we would love to pray for you. Um, and the, these guys are going to lead us in a little bit more worship. Um, but yeah, at the end of this, if, if you want to come and talk, if you want to come and get some prayer, please do that. But you have been lovely and you all laughed at my jokes. So thank you very much. Just check.